Hey Riley, I'm so excited to be with you guys. We are talking this month about this idea of pursuing the ways of Jesus. And if it's your first time here, if we haven't met yet, my name is Josh Bull and I'm excited to be sharing with you tonight. But we wanna be talking about this idea of following Jesus and plain and simply this idea of pursuing the ways of Jesus. And we talk about this idea that we want to be with Jesus, we want to become like Jesus, and we want to act like Jesus. But we live in a world that has a way to it, a lifestyle to it. There is a culture and society that we live in that is trying to form us whether we realize it or not that we are picking up messages around us of which way to live and, and how to live, but I believe Jesus has a very distinct way that, and life that he's inviting us into to live. And so I hope tonight as we look at the scriptures that you would be encouraged, but I might also poke a little bit and prod and hopefully you would leave encouraged tonight and get a glimpse of the beauty of what it means to follow Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be reading from the book of Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to turn there in just a moment. But to give you a little bit of context around what is happening in this story, this is about a rich young ruler, a man who has influence and recognition and respect in his community. This is about a man who, who has coming to Jesus and asking him the question, what do I have to do to get eternal life? And Jesus would, in essence, respond and say, hey, you have to be perfect. And Jesus would go on to invite him to follow him. Let, let's look in and read about this, this story and this exchange between Jesus and this man. It says this, And behold, a man came to him saying, Teacher, what, must good, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me what is good? There is only one who is good, speaking about God. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. So he's saying, be perfect. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Would you pray with me quick? God, I thank you for what you're doing in Raleigh. I thank you for what you're doing across the state, and I pray tonight something would rise within the young adults of South Carolina and say, hey, Jesus, I want to follow you no matter the cost. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you ever had a moment where you catch yourself laughing and thinking back to your childhood? I had one of these moments this past weekend uh, on good old Halloween. Now, 
I don't know if you're about the spooky season or not. I don't know your stance, but just as an Aussie in your country, I would say you Americans are a little bit crazy when it comes to Halloween. Like I'm on Sunday, we had like a crew of 15 people at my house with a bunch of toddlers. We went trick-or-treating and we're going out and exploring and doing all these things. And This is like my first real trick-or-treating because I got an 18-month-old son at home and he's thriving, living the dream. But I caught myself laughing thinking about my childhood because as a kid, growing up in Australia, uh, whenever it was Halloween, my mom would turn our house almost into like a stealth mode army base camp because she, she was like stressed out at Halloween. She, she would put all the blinds closed, turn the lights off and keep her eye through the window looking to see if any little children would come trick-or-treating because we don't really celebrate Halloween in Australia, but there'd be always this one random person just going around knocking on houses when there's no decorations and it's not really a thing. But we had these ideas about these American movies of trick-or-treating, and if, if you don't give the chocolates, they're going to throw eggs at your house. So my mom would always say, hey, oh my gosh, there's someone coming, there's someone coming. Kids, get on the floor. So we're like under the couch, like just hiding, waiting. And all of a sudden, the doorbell rings, and this sweet little kid just wants a little chocolate, and we're just hiding in the house because we don't have any chocolate to give them. And I'm laughing and I'm thinking about as a kid, like, man, this seems like a good idea, like getting some free chocolate. I'd be having these thoughts on the floor, like, I want to go out and get some free chocolate. I believe this to be like a good thing. But then I found myself on Sunday where now I'm a grown man. I got my own kid. I'm jumping in the American way with our friends and we're going around houses and I don't really know what to expect. I don't really know the rules of trick-or-treating, but all of a sudden, this pe- my neighbor's just giving out candy, and my son's like just vibing with it. He's in a little giraffe outfit, throwing his chocolates around like this is the best thing ever. And I'm like just vibing with it. I'm like, hey, son, don't get one, get two. Like get multiple handfuls. Like let's steal as much chocolate from our neighbors as possible. This is amazing. I found myself thinking, man, I went home and like, this is one of the funnest nights of my life. My whole cupboard is now loaded with free chocolate because of my 18-month-old, like my 18-month-old son. Man, I'm ready for 2022. The reason I tell you this is because I want to ask you a question, Rally. Are you merely a believer or a follower of Jesus? There's a difference between believing something to be true and practicing it and saying, man, I'm going to actually live this out. As a kid, I thought, man, I had the belief this could be a cool thing to go get some chocolate one day. Now I'm experiencing it for myself. I want to ask you, Riley, are you a believer or a follower? What do I mean by this? That you can believe in Jesus, but does your life model that you are actually following in the way of Jesus, in his teaching? I'm not putting the question of salvation on the table. I would believe you if you believe that Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, that you are saved. But are you living in the way that he is your Lord and he is your Savior? Are you following Jesus? Dallas Willard says this, that the greatest issue facing our world today with all of its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by profession or culture are identified as Christians, will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of heaven in every corner of the human existence. Do we just check a box and say, I believe? 
Or do we actually move into saying, hey, Jesus, I want to be a disciple. I want to be a follower of you. This is not just a follower of association, but just a great word to use as an apprentice. I want to be with you. I want to become like you, and I want to act like you, Jesus. Jesus is having this exchange with the rich young ruler, and he's saying, hey, would you come and follow me? There's this invitation for him saying, hey, you can do life with me. You can come and follow me, but I'm asking you to go and sell your possessions. So I want to ask you, Rally, this thought. Will you farewell possessions and preferences to follow Jesus? Would we be a community who say goodbye, farewell to the possessions and the preferences of life to follow Jesus? I want us to be a community that will go all in for following Jesus. That we live in a world in a day and age where we are, have accumulating possessions and preferences in a way of living. But would we be the kind of people who say, hey, I'm not going to put these things before following Jesus. There's this invitation for us as a community to not hold tight to the possessions and the preferences of life, but to come and follow Jesus. Jesus simply calls us to follow, and would our response be to obey? I want you to think about the significance of this moment. This man is standing face to face with this, this Jesus, the, the Messiah. This, he's, he's seeing Jesus in person. He sees the sweat on his brow, the clothes that he's wearing, and Jesus is inviting him to, hey, do you want to come? Would you want to come and follow me and do life with me? Say goodbye to your possessions and your preference and the way that, that you're living and come and be in relationship with me. And this is on offer for us tonight, Rally. It's this idea of detachment and attachment. That God wants us to detach ourselves to the possessions and the things that we hold on to and attach ourselves to Him. That we would not elevate the possessions and the preference of life above following Jesus. So I want to ask you tonight, what has your heart? If you were to pull back the curtain of your heart and say, what am I attaching this to? Is it the possessions of life? Is it my preferences? Or is it actually following Jesus? Trusting in Jesus is fundamental, but it's only the first step. Your primary purpose is to take a lifetime journey of following in the Lord's footsteps, honoring Him in your actions and your speech and growing in biblical understanding and life that Jesus has invited us into. But I fear that for some of us that we feel totally okay with the idea of associating ourselves with Jesus almost like a brand. An account on Instagram to follow, like, yeah, I I'm, I'm kind of can ride with you here, but not actually a person to follow in every aspect of our life. Are we living a life that is surrendered to Jesus, saying, hey, I'll follow you. I think we find ourselves so often saying, God, I'll follow you anywhere, but just don't ask me to change my career. God, I'll do whatever it takes, but... Just don't 
ask me to give that money in my bank account. God, I'll love people, but just don't ask me to bring someone into my house who doesn't look like me. God, you can have my life, but just don't ask me to give up that relationship. God, I'll do anything you ask me to do, but just don't ask me to give up that pet sin that I have in my life. God, I'll pray for revival, but just don't ask me to live a life of personal holiness. God, I'll forgive people, but just don't ask me to forgive that one person that really hurt me. God, I'll encourage others and speak life, but don't actually ask me to stop gossiping about that person. God, I'll be a person of prayer, but don't ask me to actually wake up early and stop watching so much TV. I could go on and on, but when we believe something to be true, we act like it. If we truly believe that the life that Jesus has invited us into, our actions will follow. We must lay down our life preferences and possessions to take a hold of the true prize of life. And that, my friends, is Jesus. We have to understand that followers of Jesus understand that there's a greater reward on the table, a more passionate, deeper relationship with Jesus, that we get to spend eternity not just with him, but it starts now. We don't just wait till we go to heaven, but we can enjoy a relationship with Jesus following in his ways. And so I wanted to put this thought behind to you. Are you building a fake facade or a beautiful life of surrender? Are you building a fake facade with your life or are you building a beautiful life of surrender? When this rich young ruler hears these words of Jesus to go and sell his possessions and Jesus saying, you'll have treasure in heaven, now come and follow me, he thinks to himself. And then it says in verse 22, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. I think we, we find ourselves in a moment in, in the day and age in 2021 where there are so many things that can entangle us and we pick up these possessions, we pick up things and preferences in life and we start building a life that I think could be a fake facade. It looks pretty on the outside, but on the inside we're hollow. And I believe Jesus is inviting us into a beautiful life of surrender into following him and being with him and becoming like him and acting like him. And so I wanted to put something before you, which is just some observations for me as a pastor of spending time with some of you and observing the world that we live in, of how we can sometimes find the, the way of the world informing the way in which we follow Jesus or contrasting it with the way of Jesus. And so I would propose that some of us have picked up a way of the world that has led us to a shallow existence. But Jesus invites us, the way of Jesus invites us into a life of substance. Some of us have picked up a lie that we can have much knowledge about God, read the textbooks, go to seminary, do these things with great knowledge and impress people. But really, we don't actually 
know God and spend time with Him and enjoy His presence. That some of us chase significance and success by the world's standards that we want to do big things with our lives, but really it has pride and selfish ambition all woven into it. Yet Jesus invites us into finding full satisfaction of life with Him. I see so many of us chasing, and this has been my story, that that what starts out is we want to do great things with our lives, that we want to be great But so often greatness by the world standard is wrapped up in just selfish ambition. And really, we just want people to know us. But Jesus invites us into knowing him. And being least in this world is one day great in the world to come. I find so many of us chasing after power and influence. And I've done this and still have to weed this out of myself that we want power and influence but Jesus invites us into a way of meekness. That we, it says in the Beatitudes that the meek will inherit the earth. That this is a way that we've been invited into. That we live in a culture in a day and age that elevates gifting and talent. That look what you can do. Look at what I can provide. Look at what I can do. But Jesus invites us into how's your character? What's your inner life look like? I find us in culture living in a way of isolation, going off into lonely places and feeling all alone. But Jesus invites us into obscurity. And obscurity is not isolation. Obscurity is withdrawing to be with God and then engaging in the world. This is what we're invited into. A couple more things that I see is that young adults so often want to be autonomous. I want to do my thing. You can't tell me what to do. This is my life. But clearly we read in Scripture that Jesus invites us into having healthy authority in our lives, being planted in a godly community, having people go before us, mentors, people speak into our life. Do you have authority in your life? Are we consumers where we just think, what can you do for me? What does the church do for me? This song that they sing, I don't really like it. I like this flavor of the month. I'm going to go to this church down the road and then over here. And it's really all about me. I love when they, that guy preaches, but I really don't like when she preaches. I, I love these things. It's all about you. But really, Jesus invites us into a life of being a contributor in the kingdom of God. So I want to ask you, are you building a life of a pretty fake exterior facade? but feeling shallow and crumbling on the inside? Or are you coming and understanding that Jesus invites us into a beautiful life of surrender? The rich young ruler was invited into following Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus. But he says, man, I can't leave these possessions and this preference that I have. I'm gonna go back to this. And he misses out on the beautiful, abundant life on offer of following Jesus. So that's why for us as a community, we so desperately want to be a community that pursue the ways of Jesus. We want to pursue the ways of Jesus. Would we be the kind of people that say, man, I'm not going to follow the ways of the world, the ways of society, the ways of culture. But we want to be the kind of people that say, hey, Jesus, I will follow your ways. Jesus says to the man, the rich young ruler, that, hey, if you will give up your possessions and the poor, catch what it says. 
in verse 21, you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. This is an eternal life that we've been invited into. Following Jesus, though it may come with some cost and inconvenience and make us uncomfortable, it's way less of a cost that would, we would not have to receive if we did not actually follow Jesus. There's a far greater cost to life if we don't actually follow Jesus. We miss out on the reward and the beauty of knowing Him. And so as we bring our time to a close, I wanted to look at the end of this text. Because the disciples witnessed Jesus' exchange with uh, the rich young ruler. And Peter asks Jesus' question in verse 27. He says, see, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, truly, I will say to you in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Check, check this out. And everyone who has left their houses, their brothers, sisters, fathers or mothers or children of the lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. I pray that we as a community will catch this. That man, I will leave everything behind me to follow Jesus. I understand the abundant life that is on the other side of saying yes to following Jesus. So every day I wake up and say, Jesus, change what's in me that is not like you. That I could either be formed into the image that the world is trying to form me into, or I could be formed into the image of Jesus. I just want you to get a glimpse. What could happen across the state of South Carolina when young adults say, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter the cost. I'm going to follow Jesus above the way of the world. I see what you want to do. What could happen to our communities? What could happen to our colleges? What could happen to our workplaces? The poverty, the crime, everything could change when young adults say, hey, Jesus, I'm following after you. And that's what I want for us as a community, saying, Jesus, I want your ways. I don't want Josh Bull's ways. Get me out of the way. Deny me, God. I don't want Josh Bull's ways. I will take up my cross. I will follow you, Jesus. Don't just play cultural Christianity games sitting off to the sideline, but follow Jesus, rally. I wrote a little letter to you. I'm, I'm no uh, scribe, but I wanted to articulate some things that I, I see at large that maybe this will prod a little bit, but I hope it would encourage you and give you a glimpse of the future. I wrote this, that... There is a cultural crisis at play. The days of being raised in a sleepy church and joining a modern contemporary church are over. We are now seeing children raised in the house of a modern day church, yet feeling restless and longing for more. How do we usher in the future church without rebelling against the modern day church? Change, though it may, need, may seem necessary, it does not come through rebellion. Sons and daughters must stay planted and push authority to a place that brings change and ushers in a new chapter for future generations. Culturally, I see that there is now a frustration with big churches. 
There's a lack of trust for pastors who have influence because of public moral failures that have been witnessed. There's a love again for the ancient and the tradition and the stained glass windows. But how can we connect generations to the works of previous generations without destroying them? Could God in 2021 be purifying his church and shaking things to shift and to sort them out? There's a remnant being raised and a crowd is, and the cultural crowd is fading. Cultural Christianity has lost its taste and the clock is ticking. The resilient disciples around the world are being set on fire by God. We live in a world of moral decay and truth seemingly lost for how to live today. Our efforts by man will crumble but by the work of the Spirit, it will last. Rally, we must let go of our ego and hold fast to the person of Jesus. Some of us so desperately want to be used by God, yet really we just want others to be impressed by us. The beautiful facades of the world are crumbling. The days of portraying a perfect fake reality are over. The world is crying out for the real ones to please rise up. The ones who will resist the temptations of the world. The ones who will love the secret place more than the platform of the world. The ones who will behold the face of God rather than trying to have many faces of the world looking at them. The ones who care more about the voice of one man over the applause of many. The ones who understand the importance of their character and how that is the thing that will sustain them for life. Because gimmicks and tricks can get people in the doors of church, but it's only the person of Jesus who will transform lives. Churches were never created to be an empire to take over the world, but it is to usher in the kingdom of heaven. If God didn't want us, New Spring Church, to exist, we would not exist but God has sustained us and kept us here today. There's enough circumstantial evidence to say we shouldn't be here. But I can tell you that I believe the future of this church, of the church, is bright. I love the leadership of this house. I'm so grateful for our pastors and our leaders and our volunteers. I see that wells of life are springing up all across the state of South Carolina that we as a church have committed to being a church planting church, that by 2030 we want to plant 10 churches by 2030, that we are committed to helping churches around the world and raising up young men and women who are kingdom leaders to change cities and the world, that we want to bless the world, not take over it. And we are praying and believing that rally would be the engine room of our church, we must have a healthy theology and understanding of what it means to be a part of the church, a community to belong to and grow with. When the church is for you, when you think like that, you miss out on it entirely. The church is about God and a community to belong to. The church is not just a gathering on a Sunday, though that is so important, but it is a body to be a part of. I wrote and put all this on paper to say to you, Rally. Whatever your preference, whatever the thing, the possession that you are holding onto, would we lay that aside and say, Jesus, I want to trust you. I believe you're at work around the world, in Europe, in Asia, in Africa, Australia, where, all around the world, and I want to be a part of what you are doing. 
So Riley, I want to ask you again, are you merely a believer or a follower of Jesus? Will you fare well your possessions and your preference to follow Jesus? And are you building a fake facade or a beautiful life of surrender? Let's be a community who are planted, who are committed to raising up the next generation, serving in Kidspring and Fuse and loving those around us and praying that God would move in our cities. I so love you, Rally, and we want to help you be a follower of Jesus in the everyday moments. I'm about to hand back to our campuses, but I want you to know I love you so much. I'm so grateful for you. So God, I bless Rally. I thank you for what you're doing. Would help us to follow in your ways, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.